there is something which is very important for a child to grow as a human being is education and that's where uh, we coined the term freedom through education and we realized that we should take up this project as a long term project for round table india Welcome to the Roundtable Experience, the one and only Roundtable International Podcast. Thank you very much, Stefan. Uh, my name is Sebastian Walter. I'm RTI president, and I'm very happy to be part of the second edition of our newly established RTI podcast. And I am Stefan Zipperlan, PRO of Roundtable International. It's great having you here uh, for the second episode of this podcast. Our guest today is Akshay Duga. He manages a digital marketing agency, joined Roundtable eight years ago at Madras Sterling Roundtable 123 in Chennai, which is in Southeast India, for those of you who don't know that. And right now he's the vice president for Roundtable India and As part of this role, he supports the amazing project FTE. FTE stands for Freedom Through Education. It's the lighthouse project of Roundtable India since 1996. And yeah, Akshay, welcome to this podcast. Welcome to the call. And I'm looking forward to learning a lot from you and being able to share with our listeners uh, a lot of insight on Freedom Through Education. Thank you, Sebastian. Thank you, Stefan. This is uh, indeed uh, a very nice initiative uh, which you've brought up. And uh, I'm sure this is going to help all our brothers across the globe uh, to connect and understand what each association does and uh, pick up the best practices from across the world. So thank you, guys. Uh, it's an honor being here on this podcast. Would you tell us about one or maybe your favorite tradition at your local table? Okay, so uh, this is something very interesting uh, which we have at Madras Telling Roundtable 1, 2, 3. It's about fellowship and it's a mystery trip which we do every year. Uh, the bonding increases with this every year. We look forward to this event every year. Uh, so it's, it's just a boys trip which happens outside Chennai. It could be international and only the convener, not even the table chairman or the head board know about this trip. Uh, so they take our passport copies, uh, they take the money from us, and they plan a trip uh, wherever they want for three days, and uh, no questions asked. It's only at the airport we get to know where we are going, and uh, then our research starts. So there's a lot of excitement uh, which is built towards this trip, and every member of the table looks forward to this trip. And when I talk about this particular activity, which is actually a tradition now at Uh, Madras Curling Roundtable 1, 2, 3. Uh, many of the other tables have uh, adopted this to uh, you know, build up the fellowship, uh, increase the bonding, and keep that suspense element. Uh, I think that's something which uh, really uh, keeps it going, keeps the fellowship going, and keeps us interested. That sounds like a great tradition and, and great fun weekends. So where did you go this yeah. year? So the last year uh, we went to Goa. This year we have no clue, though we try to, uh, you know, bribe the convener to <laughs> let the location. <laughs> uh, we it's all in vain. It's very difficult. So yeah. 
And and other than this great weekend, what does your local tabling look like? Uh, we're we're a good twenty-four uh, member table. Uh, we meet uh, regularly uh, on the second Wednesdays of every month. Uh, it's at Hotel Lotus in Chennai. It, it belongs to a tabler, so it's very convenient for us. And uh, uh, we're very focused in our meetings. You know, we have just one-hour meetings where we are very clear what we do, and we understand that beyond one hour, we are not going to be sitting or for the business meet. We when we are at the meeting, we discuss business, and then we are off for our fellowship, have a few drinks, enjoy our evening, and uh, that's that's how we do it at one, two, three. Awesome. That sounds like a great bunch of guys. Sebastian is starting this year into his, his role as RTI president. I'm going to do the first questions with you, Sebastian, right now as well. So would you tell us about one or maybe your favorite tradition of your local table? Mm, okay, of course. Um, I come from Hamburg, St. Pauli, uh, 84. We are located in the red light district in Hamburg. So we uh, break with a lot of uh, traditions as such. So one is, for example, we do not have a sergeant at our table and never had. Another um, actually quite funny tradition is that in the red light district, there's um, a rose uh, flower bed. So uh, once a year, the table goes there and uh, cleans that yeah, little garden and makes sure that the, the roses are very well maintained. And we have somebody at our table who is actually responsible for that. So it's an elected uh, post also for a year. We call him Rosi. That sounds like a great <laughs> tradition. How would the guys have to imagine a, a local tabling night uh, at the red light district in Hamburg? Oh, well, we are very... Um, we're 22 people. We always have a lot of people in the in the pipeline. So even though we have 10 tables in Hamburg, when uh, people want to join, you know, due to our location, I think the popularity of the table is pretty uh, high up. So we often have uh, prospects joining us. We have very diverse activities. We uh, meet in random bars. We don't have a clubhouse or a fixed place where we meet. We meet at uh, some of our members' um, workplaces. We meet in the Erotic Art Museum. So, um, yeah, it's uh, since we don't have a sergeant, the table evenings, the discussions can become quite long <laughs> and, and, and controversial. Uh, we sometimes have a fight club where you pick a topic and then, you know, uh, people randomly, uh, one has to be pro, one has to be con, and that is then, you know, being discussed and the, everybody votes for who, who's the winner. Uh, that is quite nice. And yeah, um, uh, the nights can sometimes be very long, <laughs> thank to you. say the least. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for this. Actually, thank you for, for being here um, and, and getting back to the topic. Um, what is freedom through education? In India, uh, in the year 1996 is when freedom to education was coined. And uh, why, why, why did this come across? Uh, it's because at that time we figured out that there was a problem and the problem was of providing quality education and to provide quality education to children who uh, could not afford education. Uh, these are people who are poor people who are below poverty, poverty line who could not afford, uh, you know, sending the children to study. They would uh, prefer to send the children to earn a quick buck, so they would send them for work. Child labor was prevalent in those days. 
So at that time, we realized that there is something which is missing and something which is very important for a child, for his growth, uh, to take up any field or any, um, you know, activity in his future to grow as a human being is education. And that's where uh, we coined the term freedom through education and we realized that this is something which is sustainable, measurable, and we should take up this project as a long-term project for Roundtable India. And that's how uh, Freedom Through Education came about. And uh, it's, it's history today that we build over one classroom per day across India. And uh, we are a complete zero overhead organization. So whatever we get from our sponsors, from our donors, is completely used towards this. And even the tables come forward and contribute towards these projects. So uh, in, in short, Freedom Through Education is providing the best education infrastructure and enabling education for children uh, who actually cannot afford education. Very interesting. That means uh, since 1996, you focus pretty much on one community service project that all of the tables in Roundtable India support. That's correct, right? Absolutely, absolutely. This was taken up across India and this was accepted by all the tables because the problem was prevalent across India and they realized that this is the need of the hour. And how many classrooms in total have been built since 1996 and how many children has this impacted? We've built over 6,623 classrooms uh, in 2,849 projects and we've impacted 7.28 million children and wow. uh, the outlay has been over 35 million euros. So that's around 282 crores in Indian currency. So that's the impact which we've created. That's the number of lives, uh, you know, we've impacted. And that's the number of children we've helped uh, over the years. What are the, uh, the stories behind those? Do you, do you get um, letters or stories or uh, some of those kids joining Roundtable or just do you keep in contact somehow? What are... The, the insights out of this. Yeah. So initially when we started Freedom to Education, we were majorly supporting primary schools. Uh, we were building infrastructure and enabling education for primary schools because uh, were, there were very few primary schools uh, available for these children, for these uh, children who could not afford education. So a major chunk of our projects were initiated towards primary schools. And then later on, when, when we uh, completed a lot of these primary schools, we realized that uh, it's, it's time for us to graduate as well, uh, like how the students would graduate, and start constructing schools for the higher secondary. So that's when we started building schools for the higher uh, secondary, higher education schools. And, and then after that, uh, now, in the last year, we initiated something called Employment Exchange and Skill Development where we started reaching out to these children who have passed out of these schools, uh, started giving them some skill training, skill sets, uh, that it would benefit them for their jobs or employment. And we also got in corporates and our, uh, uh, you know, few members of our organization who are into the corporate world who would want to hire or recruit these children. That's very impressive. Well, when you say as, uh, that you also set up uh, classrooms for secondary schools, that means at what age do the kids come into the primary school? What age do they leave the secondary school? 
So uh, children typically join at the age of uh, three or four uh, at the primary school. And uh, by the time they pass out, they are around uh, 17 years of age uh, when they finish their 12th grade in India. So uh, we, okay. we, we construct classrooms till that till the 12th grade. And how is that? Are those uh, schools that follow the normal national curriculum, can anybody go to this school or is it a, a, a private school or how, how would you describe that? Yeah. So in India, uh, we have uh, a lot of these government schools, uh, schools which were initiated by the government. Typically, the idea was to uh, provide free education or highly subsidized education. Um, so there are a lot many government schools. And if you see in the history of what we have uh, delivered, where we have delivered, it's the government schools where we've reached out to because these are schools which have been set up in the remotest of the areas. And uh, we support majorly government schools because they are they provide free education. And secondly, uh, with so many government schools, the government themselves are not able to support these schools on infrastructure. So that's where the need is. And then we reach out to these schools, we understand the requirement, and we deliver uh, you know, the classes or the infrastructure for these schools. So these are typically government schools, but there are also private schools depending on how they are run. But our focus is if they provide free education or highly subsidized education, we would go and support them. And how important for this for this support and also for, for all the dialogue you mentioned, how important is the connection between the national FTE program and the local tables? In fact, uh, freedom through education is successful because of the tables, because they are present at, uh, you know, the smaller locations at tier one, tier two, tier three cities, and they know what the exact requirement is. So tables are very closely associated with these projects, and it is because of these tables that FTE is so successful today. You mentioned you always measure the success also in the number of classrooms that you built. Uh, what is the cost per classroom, and how is the fundraising actually done in those cases? Okay, so uh, typically uh, in Indian rupees, it's around 8 lakhs, uh, or that's 10,000 euros uh, per classroom. Every table raises funds through uh, a specific fundraising activity. It could be uh, sporting events like marathons or swimathons, uh, could be plays, concerts. And over the last few years, uh, the National Board has tried to have tie-ups with various agencies and companies so that the best of the events could be taken up by these tables and they could raise funds locally and contribute towards these projects apart from the national grants which they receive. Absolutely. I think this is what also, and this is why we are conducting one of the, this podcast with you, uh, to see how do other associations can get inspired. You know, often associations look for Uh, service projects to do a lot has to do with education so um, and obviously that can also be used as a as a branding tool as a positive side effect you know uh, you do good Absolutely. things and you establish the brand and uh, people become more aware the communities know what round table is and you know you, you spread round the round table movement in into different areas so Absolutely. It's, it's very, really enriching and interesting to hear what, um, what, what you're sharing with us. So in, in terms of collaboration, 
uh, with other uh, associations? I mean, do you collaborate with uh, Lady Circle India? Do you have cooperations uh, with other roundtable associations outside of uh, India who support this project? Uh, I know the Netherlands or Belgium, for example, uh, support a bit, but who are, who are your um, strategic partners? We have Netherlands where they have also adopted freedom through education. So uh, while uh, tables across the Netherlands uh, support and pitch for uh, projects which we do in roundtable and they raise funds and then they transfer it, uh, they also uh, have these colleges where they uh, bring in students here, make them experience uh, the culture of India and also help them, uh, you know, raise funds towards freedom through education. When they go back, they showcase our projects and then they say, hey, uh, this is a, a nice project which we saw and we should support. And uh, those children raise funds uh, across the world and then they send funds to Roundtable India for these projects. We also have the Association of 41ers. Uh, which is in the last few years have come forward and supported uh, freedom through education projects. In fact, in India, the 41ers have uh, added as part of their aims and objects to support Roundtable India in their projects. So that, that's a very big breakthrough which they have done. Uh, other countries, Belgium and other countries are coming forward and contributing. Roundtable Nepal has come forward and contributed towards uh, our freedom through education project. Uh, and uh, not only that, uh, something very interesting which we've been doing, in fact, when I was the National Project Convener, which we initiated, was uh, the internal twinning. So if a project in one city, say Chennai, uh, has a, a table wants to execute the project but does not have the means, does not have the funds, uh, a project is put forward across India and any table who wishes to contribute towards that project can do so. And uh, what happens with this is two tables are collaborating for a project and at the time of inauguration, they are invited and that's a great fellowship which they have. So they've met uh, another 12, 15 new friends. They made new friends from a project. So uh, this is somewhere where we see that a project is initiating fellowship uh, amongst tablers, amongst brothers. So uh, if, if, if this can be taken up uh, at the international level, I'm sure uh, a cause can bring about uh, brotherhood and uh, can bring stronger bonds across the world. Absolutely. I mean, that is something very interesting, this new way of uh, twinning. Um, we, we actually, this year, we have a few initiatives because since beginning of this year, Roundtable International is a properly set up uh, NGO in, in Luxembourg. So we have our own uh, foundation, uh, so to speak, and uh, we are going to and have selected a few topics for this year in terms of community service initiatives, what we as RTI are able and want to conduct. So one of them is, for example, that on uh, 14th of March, which is Roundtable Day globally, that we're going to have a combined sports event. You know, uh, there's more and more people, they run marathons for a good cause or they cycle for a good cause. And to maybe eventually organize our own roundtable uh, marathon where people come together from different countries, you know, they uh, do that for a good cause and they um, uh, make new connections. So I like your idea what you do with the, uh, with the twinning as well. It's great to hear too that these, these kinds of projects are not only nationally but internationally 
connected, just like Roundtable India is is doing the networking here um, for for the local tables and their initiatives and and kind of bringing FTE together. It's really great to hear that RTI is offering this support um, and these insights from countries that have a long long standing experience uh, to countries that might need to brush up on their ambitions uh, towards service a bit. So it's it's really great to hear that uh, this is happening, Sebastian. Well, a lot of the time it's uh, about people knowing about it. And uh, there's a lot of good work that is being done in a lot of associations. So if you take, you know, a few years ago, Roundtable Children's, which, which started in the UK, then came to Germany. If you take now the Christmas Package Convoy, Uh, which is supported by uh, Germany, Austria, and now Denmark, uh, Romania. So there's a lot of work that is done. And we have, over the last few months, uh, collected a lot of initiatives and uh, put them in a database, Roundtable Cares, so that people get a little bit inspired about what do others do. And there, our role as RTI, I see as a, a role to provide a platform that people see uh, what what initiatives have been done or are being done and to share best practices and to see how this can be done. So it's often a coordinating function. Um, we've done a survey and uh, there's a lot of associations who would like Roundtable International to conduct an international community service project that we have a proper theme, but also there's others and say, well, we more see your role in uh, coordinating, sharing, you know, providing an infrastructure structure that people know how they can access information. So uh, one very interesting initiative we have at the moment is uh, that more and more countries uh, set up a support network in case that uh, tablers are in difficulties, be it uh, financial difficulties from the family, um, health-wise, you know, uh, uh, business-wise, so in, in every aspect of life. And they have a group of people whom they can approach confidentially who are able to um, Uh, to help them and where they know that they are being heard in a, in a trustworthy environment. And that's something, for example, that uh, we as RTI are going to promote more and more. And we want to set up an uh, international structure that, you know, no matter if you have one table in a country or if you have 300 tables in a country, you know, you are able to reach somebody in your network, uh, depending where you are and what you do, that uh, who can help you. So, uh, you know, we invest a lot into um, helping others, but sometimes it's also good to see what can we do more to help uh, ourselves if we are in need. So, um, yeah, that might add a little bit to uh, the picture what we do on an international level. Sebastian, it's great to hear about these initiatives and this energy from Roundtable International. And if we translate this back to freedom uh, through education, actually, how can other associations, other countries, other tables support you in, in your freedom through education program? While uh, a few of uh, the organizations are already supporting Roundtable, individual tables as well through that winning, uh, the best way forward is uh, if... if Uh, they can contribute towards the specific projects or even if they are traveling to India, the best way is to, you know, uh, have a, apart from the fellowship, if they can go visit a school and understand what's happening there and uh, contribute towards that school and say, okay, uh, let's go back, raise these funds and then contribute towards this because 
that gets them involved um, completely towards this project of freedom through education rather than uh, doing a checkbook charity of, uh, uh, you know, paying by themselves. So the moment they understand the complete process, how the school is run and for whom it is run, when they visit uh, India during uh, maybe a fellowship or during a landmark meet or during a world or a Euro meet uh, in India, that's the best time to visit the schools, explore uh, what kind of activities are happening, go back to their countries and say, here are projects which are something, uh, you know, making a big difference in these lives of these children and we should support them. And we would love them to be a part of it and uh, be involved in every process, uh, whatever possible, uh, however possible. I would like to pick up on one point, actually, that you mentioned earlier, and that is that you have corporate sponsors. And I, I don't think this is anything uh, that a lot of associations do. Uh, a lot rely on their own uh, fundraisers. And I think it's great to establish more and more connections also to corporates because one, it's, you know, it does something good to the image of Roundtable. More people know about it. And, you know, it's all about uh, yeah, creating better synergies also with uh, corporates. This is one of the best uh, uh, publicity and branding propositions for Roundtable because uh, when a corporate supports uh, the project or uh, our organization, it adds a lot of credibility. Uh, it could start with just a single classroom uh, or it, and, and then you've seen this relationship build up. For example, Procter & Gamble, when they came in, they did a pilot project with us which came in after a lot of hard work with the complete team putting in day and night uh, for over six months to a year. And finally, that came through. And today, uh, they are one of the donors who've been supporting us year after year. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's been over uh, uh, you know, 12 to 13 years that they've been supporting us. Year after year, they've been supporting us. And we also have other donors like uh, Cognizant, uh, who actually came on board when there were uh, actually floods in Chennai. Uh, and uh, they wanted to... Uh, rehabilitate the schools which were damaged because of the floods. The situation was very grave. Uh, the classrooms were, uh, you know, absolutely in bad shape. There were no flooring, no electricity whatsoever. There were water seepage across, and uh, it was, uh, you know, a very very bad situation here. So a corporate like Cognizant came in and they said, let's support this. And when they started working with us, they realized. The, the quality of work which is delivered and the kind of stringent measures which are taken up by us so that we don't falter anywhere. So uh, for corporates, we have a dedicated team which works on getting them on new corporates on board. We also have a team which works to ensure that we report to them regularly and showcase to them the progress and the quality of work which is delivered. And we ensure that we invite them for our project inauguration. So once the project is ready, we send them an invite and we ask them uh, if they are able to attend that project for the inauguration. And we make them, we invite them as chief guests uh, and uh, you know, request them to uh, address the gathering there. So that way is we are able to uh, get more corporates on board. And, and uh, I hope uh, we, we are able to add another five to seven big corporates in the next year or two.
You were talking a lot about corporate contribution and the number of works that make it happen. But the little stories make the great projects. Um, what was the most moving moment which you personally experienced through FTE? One of the stories which stands out is a project which we undertook at uh, Nagaland, which is northeast of India. Uh, and northeast of India over the years uh, has been... Uh, you know, sidelined, never given its importance uh, uh, because it's it's quite far, very difficult to reach, a difficult terrain. And uh, it, it's so that's one of the factors why people have never tried to reach out to that area. In the last few years, what we've seen is uh, Roundtable uh, grew, Roundtable India grew quite rapidly in this region. And thanks to uh, the members there, thanks to the tablers there, we were able to take up a project in Nagaland And uh, it actually took us seven and a half hours of drive on uh, a so-called road. Uh, there was no road, actually. Uh, it, it, it was absolutely bumpy. And by the time we reached the destination, we were exhausted. So I could imagine the plight of uh, the tablers who went there regularly to construct the classrooms. So we built around six classrooms at this place uh, where they were uh, the tribals. And... Uh, They were never ch sending the children for studying. They they just kept them at home. They said, you do your hunting or you do your business. Uh, you join me in the business or whatever trade I'm doing. And you earn the money for uh, livelihood. Uh, why do you need to go and study? Uh, so it took us some time to tell them that it is important for the children to study because uh, the rate at which we are growing and the rate at which the children are moving out from the villages to cities It's going to be a transformation for them. And uh, they realized that, yes, my children, there's going to be a lot of gap between uh, a child who is studying in a city and a, and a child who is in a village or uh, who is a tribal who does not know uh, what is uh, basic necessities, what is basic hygiene. And uh, they realized that uh, in, after, after a lot of, uh, you know, sessions with them and trying to make them understand. So... First, we wanted, uh, we were looking out for a parcel of land and uh, we could not find a decent chunk of land for building classrooms because uh, it was all, uh, you know, these the tribals had occupied uh, most of the land and we just can't go and construct anything there. So a few of them got together and they realized that, okay, what we will do is we will shift our houses from this location to another one uh, so that our children get to study and get better education and get better infrastructure so that they can go to the city and uh, make a better living and, uh, you know, live their dreams. And uh, uh, so the first hurdle was crossed and we started constructing and we realized that uh, getting water on that terrain was absolutely impossible. Uh, getting water, getting the raw materials, the cost of raw materials had escalated because you have to drive down seven, seven and a half hours Uh, to reach this terrain, which was so difficult, and uh, there was no water as well. Uh, and and what do we do? We had all the materials there, but we did not have water, and there was water scarcity there. And the most touching moment was when all the parents came forward and they said uh, they got a bucket of water, uh, you know, every three four hours from the house, and they brought it to the school, and they said. Here is water for constructing the school. Please use this water. Though we have very limited means of water, this is something for our children. And we are giving you this water so that you can complete these schools, so that our children can study in these schools. 
and uh, you know they can become what they want to become what they dream to become and uh, you know that's something which really touched uh, all of us present there and uh, those are such stories which make us do more and deliver more of these ft projects in such locations as very moving thank thank you for sharing thank you so much for sharing this story sebastian you're doing so much tabling and international traveling and getting to know so many projects yourself is there any moment or any project that holds a, a deeper meaning like this story uh, for yourself uh, of course there's many many uh, fantastic projects in around the world and when we stay with the theme of education i guess uh, there is one um, it was in 2007 2008 the national service project of round table germany is called school of hope and uh, i had just joined the table a year before so i was a, i was a young tabler back then and it was actually my table together who uh, with another table who organized this uh, conducted the national service project and that was to collect funds for for an infrastructure of a school in kisumu so in kenya Uh, Kenya's third largest city and we had a very dynamic team uh, who then regularly organized trips to Kenya for you know the supporters of the project to see what has been done the work that is still pending and to understand a little bit more for what project we have all been uh, working and it was until 2012 that I was able to join for the first time and that was a very yeah mind opening experience because you know one is if you see pictures uh, but secondly is when you actually see the fruits of the work that has been put in and we got to the school in uh, kisumu we saw you know how well it was uh, equipped they built a medical station that served as medical station for the community they had uh, at that time 1500 kids at that school there, there was uh, a food program where we had we only provided funds for the infrastructure not for the operations so they have to be self-sufficient like any other school and so but we had bought them cows so that they can you know they had a food program in the school they had a special needs section because you know normally kids with special needs were hidden away from society and there they were actually integrated in in this society and in, into the school and um, adjacent to it was a vocational school where uh, kids after they come out of the uh, yeah um, irregular school can learn a job like a carpenter or you know something uh, something hands-on and I remember when we were there, we inaugurated uh, a second school uh, where teachers uh, who were at the first school basically said, well, we have to travel a long distance. We're in a remote area. Uh, can you help us? We'd like to set up a school there. There's a big need for, you know, kids to have um, uh, basic education. So we uh, went there by bus, which was uh, very, very far away. And on the way, we stopped at a little shop. And that shop actually belonged to a boy who was before in the special needs section in the original school. He was given proper attention, proper treatment. Uh, he then went to the regular school uh, and later set up a little shop on the side of the road 
And when we came there and we probably bought all all products that we could find in his shop. And he was, uh, I think, a very, very extremely happy kid. So to see how... Yeah, how a positive impact we can make. That was uh, that was a very nice experience for me. And then we went on to open the uh, second school. And uh, until today, um, uh, Roundtable and 41 Germany support this uh, project. So yeah, that has been one of the uh, most moving trips or experiences or you know, projects that I've personally experienced very closely. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like it did leave an impact. Definitely. So something you mentioned is, especially for, for projects with children, an important thing to think about because they all grow up. So uh, Akshay, how is it with FTE? How is there a l relation with the students and after they graduate from the school? Yeah. So uh, once... The students graduate from the school uh, you know even the school uh, typically does not have uh, their information or the whereabouts in most of the cases so last year what we initiated was uh, employment exchange where uh, we ensured that uh, the children uh, the database is collected by the school and uh, it's up updated on our systems so this is a process which we've initiated last year which I spoke about some time earlier where all these children, uh, the database has been collected and they are invited. Uh, we get to know where exactly they are working, what exactly they are doing. Uh, is there any skill set which, uh, you know, they need training on? Uh, is uh, So this is something which we are currently uh, getting all the information. And last year itself, we had two mega Uh, job fairs which were conducted for these children so that uh, they could get employment at either corporates or at uh, you know any of these tablers could uh, uh, have them uh, at their uh, offices or factories uh, could get them employed there so this is something this is a challenge which uh, we are facing Uh, because uh, the information is is not easily accessible, available, even with the schools. And this is something which we are going to build over a period of time, which we're already working on. And we already have a system in, in uh, our roundtable and the dashboard to collect all this information so that uh, we can reach out to these children whenever we want. And uh, they can reach out to us whenever they want. That's great to hear. Very interesting. And I'm sure that uh, you get a lot of very... Um, loyal employees this way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. They are, uh, in fact, uh, the children who uh, study in roundtable schools, uh, they know roundtable so well that uh, when they see you outside, if, if they meet you, if they happen to meet you, uh, even, even at any of these, uh, maybe at a mall or maybe outside, uh, wherever you will be going, They, they would recognize you. You We may not recognize them, but they would come forward and say, uh, you built this school uh, for us. I studied here at the school. Thank you very much. And that's a touching moment for us. Uh, what what more could uh, we ask for? This is this is what, uh, you know, uh, we are here for. If, if uh, when we see them successful tomorrow, uh, it's something uh, we've achieved what we set out for. Thank you very much, Akshay. I think we come to the end of our second episode and... I would like to quote our founder, Louis Marchesi, and he once said, there are things we must do, there are things we can do, and there are things we should do. 
And after today's discussion and the insight that we got on freedom to education, I think one of the things any of us should do is that they should visit Roundtable India and witness the success of that project and to get a hands-on feeling for uh, the great work that you do. So I'm going to be in India in November this year. We have a board meeting and we have obviously the world meeting coming next year with a lot of international visitors and Yes, please, all of you who are listening, I would really like to encourage you, reach out to Roundtable India and uh, get a bit of an idea about the work that is done uh, locally. So, Akshay, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Stefan, thank you very much for uh, hosting the second podcast. And uh, I learned quite a bit today. I'm very happy about that. And yeah, thank you both. Thank thank you, uh, Stefan. Thank you, Sebastian. Uh, and uh, at Roundtable India, we are always looking forward to hosting all of you. Uh, we would love to have tablers from across the world uh, to India. Uh, come explore uh, the various cultures in India and uh, the hospitality of India. So wherever wherever you are in India, just give us a call and uh, we'll be there. And uh, we'll ensure you have the best fellowship around. Thank you. Too. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for everybody listening. And I'm not going to try a cliffhanger this round, but I'm going to encourage you to send us your questions, send us your stories. If you think we need to talk to somebody, just send us a name and we'll try to make it happen. So talk to you again. Thank you and goodbye, everybody.